Nothing will jack up a woman's spirit like a toxic romantic bond. The D ain't even worth it, sis. <laughs> I'm telling you, don't let it snatch your soul. Or more suitable for this conversation, your power. Hello there, I'm Brett Lee, the Goddess Nurturer. Welcome to my podcast or channel if you're tuning in on YouTube. In case you're new around here, I'm so happy that we cross paths. Welcome. I am a certified hypnotherapist and coach. Most of my work and research centers around conscious love, feminine personal power or self-esteem, and how the two are connected. I help women heal emotional wounds and cultivate the personal power needed to quit hiding, go after what or who they want and deserve, and manifest the luscious life and legacy their spirit feels called to create. Sexual soul ties are real and can do real damage, spiritually, emotionally, practically, as in staying in a toxic soul tie can age you, take years off your dating life, hinder your manifestations, and negatively impact your dream of creating a legacy of abundance. On one hand, toxic relationships take a heavy toll on our self-perception, our self-esteem, the feminine spirit. It can be difficult to recover from constant emotional neglect, rejection, abandonment, harsh handling of our hearts, especially if it's all we've ever known. But then on the other hand, the word toxic gets thrown around a lot these days, right? <laughs> it's so overly used and saturated. Um, and I see that the word toxic is often used to describe connections, not only, but often, uh, that simply are imperfect or they're just not suited, well-suited for each other, they're not compatible. For example, when two people's value systems are not aligned, the relationship can begin to feel toxic, but not because those two people within them are toxic, carrying around an overwhelming amount of toxic traits, right? But it's because of that expectation and the weight that is being put on that relationship and it's not being met because those people do not experience and see life in the same way. The same way. So it's kind of like you're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole and then you're getting mad because it's not going in properly. <laughs> that's what I mean and that's what I see happening a lot these days. Every connection can't be toxic. In relationships, there will be painful moments for sure. There will be times when our insecurities are triggered there are going to be things that we like and there are going to be things that we don't like and we wish that we could change in the other person for our own egoic, selfish purposes, right? Because it would make us feel more comfortable, obviously. It would allow us to get our way to finally get the results that we want <laughs> so we can move forward, you know, like kind of check this part off the list and move forward to the next part of the list. I'm often asked how to tell if a connection is a good one with flaws just like anything else versus an overall 
unhealthy or a toxic relationship. So today we're gonna make it really simple by diving into one clear distinction that's very straightforward. When we begin to heal ourselves, we begin to heal our relationships. And when we begin to heal our relationships, we heal the world around us. The world is made up of all these little relationships, connections, bonds, whether they're romantic, platonic, business bonds, whatever they are. That's what we are made of in our society. That's how we move things forward. That's how we also keep things stuck. So when we start healing the world through our relationships, we raise the collective consciousness and create a better future for ourselves, for our children, and then they can go ahead and continue on in that way. That's breaking the generational curse. But we can't do that, make our impact, carve out those new pathways of abundance for our bloodlines, experience our most fulfilling intimate connections and lives without cultivating that personal power first, which has so often been eroded by our earliest relationships in which we were led to believe our feelings didn't matter, our perceptions weren't real, we weren't seeing things clearly, we weren't allowed to speak when feeling hurt, it wasn't our place. That can no longer be the narrative. It is your place. Love is at the heart of our ascension. Love, true love, really is all there is. With that said, relationships are complex systems. Just as people are multidimensional beings, we're not just one layered. In a connection, there are three entities, person one, person two, and the relationship or the bond that is the shared reality they co-create together. So person one, or let's say person A, can have toxic traits, we all do, and still be relatively healthy, a healthy, relatively stable person. They can still be a good partner and contribute to an overall healthy relationship because the intention is truly there. And they've done a good amount of work healing even, or they were just raised in that environment to begin with, which is pretty far and few between for us these days, but there are people that are raised in secure environments where they can grow secure attachment habits. And then there are people who don't, but then they kind of grow up and heal from those earlier wounds and become healthier, stable people. Meanwhile, person B, might embody too many toxic traits and exhibit too many harmful behaviors and habits, which to their partner may look like them actively trying to sabotage the relationship, actively preventing a healthy partnership from taking place. As a result, you wind up in a toxic relationship. So what's this distinction here really? 
what's the core difference between person A and B? What kind of determines which one you're going to get? Why can A have toxic traits but not be an overall toxic person contributing to the the what toxic relationship soil <laughs> versus person B who's not only, you know, not quote unquote toxic, right? Unhealthy but also someone who can even have a, a relationship that is completely, well, not completely, let me not say completely, <laughs> but that is overall pretty good, solid, feels good. It all boils down to power. The way power is viewed, the way it is used or misused. Now, we all know that to love someone is to give them a certain amount of power in our lives, in our hearts, and more than we realize over our minds. When we join up with them long-term in a commitment, we also give this person a good amount of power over the direction of our lives. Sure, we've all heard the saying, love is giving someone the power to hurt you and trusting that they won't. But we rarely realize just how much that power is really practical. In addition to being emotional, spiritual, physical in nature. Until it's too late. <laughs> in her book, The Verbally Abusive Relationship, author Patricia Evans speaks to two models of power how they greatly impact the health of our relationships and our sense of reality overall. There's the power over model and there's the personal power model. Power over is the toxic masculine paradigm that denies the value and quality of life. It is destructive in nature. It sees control and dominance as superior to all, including love or appreciation for one's fellow man, the planet, and its resources. Power over is the result of poisonous pedagogy, quote unquote. And this is a toxic method of teaching and raising up a child. And I'm sure that we are all familiar with this. Maybe not this term, but definitely this idea, this this occurrence is very real. It's not an idea. <laughs> the toxic method of teaching and raising up a child is something that we can all probably attest to, to have some type of remembrance of within our own childhood and how that felt. You see, many parents believe as a result of generational toxic training, by the way, in misusing their power, the power that they have naturally over their children. And this misuse of power is very harmful to children and leads to future toxic relationship dynamics. For example, one reason I don't personally believe in beating my kids, my child right now, or my future kids, God willing, <laughs> um, or speaking harshly to kids, a point that my husband and I have had several disagreements over within the course of our relationship um, is because there's an obvious power imbalance there between parents and their children. Children have not 
developed to the point where they can understand at the level of an adult, nor filter information and come up with productive meanings, which means they keep certain messages. They hold on to them, they internalize a lot. Children are sponges. We all did this. This is what has contributed to our subconscious mind. All those messages that we began taking in before we really had that good filtration system in place. Um, and then labeling them, creating meanings for them when it comes to who we are and how we see the world, how we see ourselves. Children don't have that filtration system. So those things, those harsh words, that mistreatment, that misuse of power really hits home in a very negative way. At the same time, children do not have a choice but to stand there and take whatever their parents or their caregivers give them simply because they are reliant on them for survival. They are, in essence, powerless. So when a child who didn't grow up in a healthy environment where they were able to form secure, loving attachments, grows up into an adult without having worked through that pain, the pain of that experience, he will perpetrate misuse of power in his relationships. It's all he knows. And he's not conscious of this even being a thing at this point. The adult will then become toxic to other people and insist, insist on maintaining abusive or emotionally harmful relationships. This is how the power over model is bred and fed. This toxic model of control and domination has been permeating individual consciousness for thousands of years and has brought us to the brink of total chaos as a people. And we can only free ourselves from this model by waking up and growing more conscious about the way we treat ourselves and each other. And this starts with valuing ourselves first and then valuing one another. We have to experience ourselves and our partners as worth loving, respecting, protecting, regarding in high esteem. Relationships founded in these principles and nurtured in this essence are not only healthy, but consciousness expanding. They are evolutionary in nature and they contribute towards the health of our collective. Relationships founded and nurtured in the opposite direction, okay? Um, those are toxic. <laughs> they are toxic in nature and lower the vibration of love collectively. The opposite of that power over model that we just talked about and the way through which we begin to break that curse is personal power. Personal power is another way of understanding and experiencing power that doesn't turn connection into a game of winners and losers. It doesn't turn love into a war zone or battlefield. Dominant people versus their subordinates or emotional slaves and punching bags. Having personal power means you don't require power over another person to feel powerful within yourself. The person with personal power has healthy self-esteem, 
allowing them to operate on the basis of mutuality and co-creation within a relationship dynamic. Again, love is not a battlefield or a war zone for this person. It is a garden. Keeping your eyes and ears open for signs about how a person relates to power will tell you 99% of all you need to know when it comes to what type of relationship you can expect to build with them. Let me say that again, one more time. Keeping your eyes and ears open for signs about how a person relates to power, how they see power, how they wield their own power. You give someone access to your heart, access to your body, access to your mind, you are giving them power. And they then do what with it? The way you feel with that person, your emotional world and its hmm, quality, It's going to answer that question for you. When with this person, I mean, you can't just give this person total control over your whole world, obviously, but when you are with them, how do you feel? Sit with that. That's going to tell you 99% of all you need to know about the type of relationship you will build or are currently building with them. And on the other side of that, as an extension of that, what kind of person you're becoming? This is critical because these two models power over versus personal power lend to very different ways of viewing the world, very different realities, therefore very different lifestyles. Someone with a controlling, dominant power over worldview, worldview and view of themselves, lives in a completely different reality than someone operating according to the personal power model. PP, just abbreviate that, comes from connecting with one's own feelings, which means you can't be afraid of your feelings, first of all. So you connect with your own feelings, which you have accepted as valid. And you come together with other people to co-create Understanding that other people also have value. And that we expand and enjoy more fulfilling experiences through our cooperation and participation in life with other beings. Two people who are both grounded in their feelings, who accept their feelings and the feelings of others as being valid and have an established sense of self while remaining open to others, not treating them as 
doormats, not treating them as the enemy to be defeated, but as an equal, worthy partner. These two people come together to create a mutually supportive, empathetic, intimate bond. They inhabit a shared reality together that is beautiful. It's like that garden that we talked about where so much grows here. Let's call this reality two. This is the beautiful, rich connection most of us long for, right? Doesn't that sound beautiful? <laughs> but in contrast, if one or more people in that relationship are of the power over mindset, their shared reality, that garden that we talked about, gets less and less healthy. It starts to die. Why? Because they've shifted to reality one. Yes. Let's just for a second back up. Even if one of you is of the power over mindset and the others of the personal power mindset, you're still going to be in the power over or reality one type of relationship. Why? Because it only takes one person to undermine the quality of a connection, period. Yes, you can rise higher. You can bring your energy up to quality, up to standard, to try and positively influence the direction of your relationship. That is true. And you might have some type of, some success with that, at least temporarily. This is the thing, by the way, that keeps a lot of people who are in abusive relationships stuck because they themselves have the personal power mindset and they try to influence their partners with this. And sometimes they have success. And so they get that little ounce of hope to keep them going, just to wind back up where they began. It only takes one person to undermine the quality of the connection. And simply put, you can't force somebody to give up their toxic habits, toxic mindset. We're talking about something that is stemming so far back before you met this person. We're talking about seeds planted in the subconscious of a child that have been watered and to an extent seen to be beneficial, <laughs> proven to be beneficial over the course of this person's lifetime. You cannot force someone to give up their need to control or dominate your connection. This person is this way because in some way it's been proven to work for them. They have to want a different kind of relationship with you and a life overall that is not ruled by a need to control. And for them to want that, they're gonna to need to start seeing value in that. And that's simply something that you can't force. Unfortunately, like I said, so many toxic people, quote unquote, don't initiate these changes. They aren't easy. And oftentimes they aren't 
at least initially seen as beneficial. They don't serve them. Take your relationship, for example. If you're listening to this and you're in an unhealthy relationship, well, you're still with this person. And the more toxic they are or act, the more unhealthy things that they exhibit due to your own insecurities, you might try harder to connect with them. You might give them even more of what they want and don't deserve. (laughs) Not because they are deserving of it, but because you want so badly for things to change. But that only, you can't see it from your, just your perspective and your side. What does it tell them? Well, it's reinforcement that they're doing something right. So just as that one example works in your relationship for them, they have been getting the same reinforcement, most likely from other areas in their lives, from family members, work, using their force, their power over thinking to dominate and get ahead. This is our toxic masculine culture in essence. So because their power over other driven mindset works for them in pretty much all areas of life, can't expect them to just suddenly wake up one day and want to change. That's hard to accept for a lot of people. But if you can accept that and you can start looking at your connections and people in your connections from a more, uh, from a, a, a higher view, a bird's eye view, earlier on, you have a much better chance at forming bonds that can thrive, that can grow. So let's get back to this reality. The reality one or power over mindset type of connection. Remember I said it puts you in two different types of reality. So we're talking about the power one reality. Now this connection feels stifling, right? For the partner not necessarily the obviously the toxic person it feels stifling for the partner the person that looks at partnership as the bond where there's co-creation where you can both thrive where you can be whole come together create something beautiful it feels unfair devaluing disempowering frustrating this is the toxic relationship and in a toxic relationship there is disrespect degrading, harshness, inattentiveness, inequality, imbalance, lack of appreciation, lack of genuine care or concern, silence and mystery where there should be openness and communication. It's a hassle. It's drama when trying to plan anything with this person, especially anything involving the future, where that person might have to stand by their word. There is low to no acknowledgement of you or your accomplishments. There is constant misunderstanding even over the smallest things or forms of communication. There's rejection of your warmth 
your kindness, your openness, because these are the very qualities a person operating according to this model is trying to avoid for fear of being vulnerable because vulnerability makes you weak in their mind. Weakness means that others can overpower you, that they can dominate you, that you are open to being controlled and they can't have that. And this person can tell you that they love you and manipulate you in the same breath because they don't see love the way you do. It's critical to note that your love and their love are very different. The person operating on the personal power model views love as personal power. So we've made a shift. This person views love as mutually supportive, intimate, balanced, while their mate in the power over model is seeing love and has always seen love because it's probably what they grew up seeing love as, controlling, closed, self-serving, and competitive. The person with a power over mentality can't engage in pure, authentic, genuine intimacy simply because that mindset will not allow them to surrender, which is a key component of intimacy. You have to be able to surrender. You have to be able to let go, to allow this person, their mind, their worldview will not allow them to put themselves in that vulnerable state ever. To surrender would mean acknowledging how powerless they feel internally and giving you the opportunity to destroy them. This is a core principle at the very heart of their being. It's pre-established. And so it's gonna keep them in active fighter mode. So when you're feeling like this person's always against you, it's always a problem, you can't communicate even simple things, that's because they are in active fighter mode always. Incapable of viewing you as someone that they should have to do that with. That's how they look at it. <laughs> I don't have to do this, right? Whereas when you love someone, it's not about that. It's not about what you have to do. That's you want to. The fighter doesn't want to. They are incapable of viewing you as an equal partner or being a true partner to you. They are incapable of contributing to a healthy, intimate partnership with you. So what can be done here? Can you turn this around? Well, the power-hungry person or persons will need to be open to shifting their reality. Again, this is not something that you can control. I'm just letting you know what needs to happen here for this to change. That person needs to be open to shifting their reality and willing to do the work to develop healthier self-esteem and a way of viewing relationships overall, the world, 
Because like we said, our relationships, our connections make up our world. The microcosm influences the, ma the macrocosm. So it's like what we're doing here in this house is being done in the house next door. And then the one next door to that and the one next door to that. We are all on our very own minuscule, tiny little planes <laughs> influencing the greater picture of the world. So this person that's super power hungry and been in that state for so long and it's been working for them overall has to be open to shifting their perspective and growing a healthier way of viewing life. The road is long, I'm not gonna lie to you. So if you are with somebody who has demonstrated time and time again that they are more committed to winning than having something special and stable with you that can thrive, it might be time to move forward, at least until you've been given new data to work with by this person, not by your needs and desires for them to be different. And that's it. That is the most simple distinction that you can gauge to tell whether you're in a healthy or a toxic bond. How to know which one you're in and also how to start making changes if they're going to be made. Did you find this episode helpful, my love? If you did, do me a solid and if you're listening on a podcast channel or platform, excuse me, <laughs> if you're listening on a podcast platform, go ahead and follow the podcast. Give me a positive review if you're able to do so. I would appreciate that so much. Love you so much. And if you're on YouTube, go ahead and hit the like button for me and subscribe to the Goddess Nurture channel for more content just like this. Any other info can be found in the description box and at thegoddessnurture.com. And before we disperse for today, I'm going to read you this beautiful snippet from Patricia Evans' book, the one that I mentioned. It's called The Verbally Abusive Relationship. And I know that that word abusive, abuse, victim, all these words are really triggering and can like elicit immediate feelings of um, just defensiveness, closing off. <laughs> no one wants to hear that. No one wants to think of themselves as victims or think of their partners as abusive. But let's get past that. Let's just think about abuse as being... behavior that slowly kills the spirit that is not productive in nature that does not resolve or expand in nature does the opposite and over time it drains you of your power and if we're drained of our power, we can't do what we feel called to do. We can't fulfill our potential. We can't be in our best relationships. 
we can't create the wealth, the prosperity that we'd otherwise create. We can't manifest the way we otherwise create. Why? Because these things require us to be in our power, to know who we are, to be tapped in. And so if you have someone around you, especially a romantic partner, someone that you lay with day after day, someone that, one that you are, because this is the one thing that I didn't mention earlier, but the person that's of that personal power mindset is not looking at their partner as if they're in a different reality. They're looking at their partner as, in their, as if they're sharing the same reality. And if you are operating under this assumption, you're looking at your partner like they have the same idea of love as you do. And so if you're looking at them like that and you're banking on the way that this person thinks and their view of you, thinking that this person has my best interests at heart, this person loves me the way that I love them, but they actually don't because they don't understand that type, of, that type of love. And you are open to their commentary, their views, their words, their, their behaviors, and you're applying meaning of their behaviors to you and what that means for you and how they view you and how they view your relationship. And then you're taking that back to your childhood when you experienced those same type of feelings and what that meant for you and how that made you feel. You're constantly being torn down instead of built up. And because of who this person is to you, because they have such constant, easy access to you, it will wear on you. And years will go by and you'll look back wondering, you know, what happened to all those dreams I had? Who am I? I don't even recognize myself anymore. That's the impact. That's how severe the impact of a toxic bond can be. So forget the word abuse, okay? That's a long way of me saying, forget the word abuse. I don't care. We're talking about the essence of the thing. Words carry huge power. What kind of spell is being put on you every single day? Look at the difference, the difference in how you speak to one another. It's gonna tell you all you need to know. So this book, page 35, has a wonderful example, or, you know, um, I don't know if I can call it an example. It's kind of like an exploration of love. In a power over or reality to relationship, each person realizes that to bring one's thoughts and to hear the others, to express one's enthusiasm and to delight in the others, to reveal one's self and to reflect the other, to value oneself and to esteem the other, to enjoy one's creations and to treasure the others, to pursue one's growth and to nurture the others to cherish one's solitude and to honor the others, to follow one's interests and to encourage the other, to act at one's pace and to accept the others, 
to indulge oneself and to give to the other, to indulge, to involve oneself and to assist the other, to protect oneself and to comfort the other, to see oneself and to behold the other, to be oneself and to let the other be, is to love oneself and to love the other. I'll leave you with that, my love. Until next time, remember who the hell you are and take care of. Be good to you. I'll see you next time.